Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. It is Wednesday night, May 2nd. We are live here at 8.30, broadcasting to you the Tech Educator Podcast. This is episode number 181. Today, we're going to be talking all about apps, your favorite apps, choosing the right apps. And we're going to continue a conversation that we've had over the last few podcasts on free versus premium and we're going to ask the question what do you do if your favorite app that was free now starts to charge and personally we're going to ask the question if you're a tech coach should you be only promoting free apps premium apps and how does this whole thing work these days when we we know that app developers out there need to provide for themselves, their businesses, their families, but we as teachers don't always want to reach into our pocketbook and go into that kind of a realm. So we're going to have a little conversation here called Pitchforks versus Pocketbooks. There's, of course, several great ways that you can reach out to be a part of this and all of our shows. We certainly love it when you head on over to techeducatorpodcast.com. You can sit and subscribe to this on all of our shows on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever your favorite podcasts are. We, of course, are looking forward to several great things over the next couple of weeks as we get ready to do our salute to the ISTEs and, and the big ISTE conference coming up. We're going to be doing some great shows around that. But first, I want to bring on our co-host, Dr. Sam Patterson. How are you today? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. It's another beautiful day in Southern California. It is nice to see you. How are things? I saw that you were uh, doing some interesting uh, puppet robotic things going on out there. All kinds of great stuff going on. We're in the midst of uh, developing some really great puppet lessons, um, as well as working my dad's old train board into my lessons for teaching electricity in fourth grade. That sounds pretty darn cool. Looking forward to hearing more about that. From the great state of Connecticut, Mr. Rob Pennington. Rob, how are you today? I am doing fabulous. How about you, Jeff? I'm doing well. What's going on up north? Uh, nothing. It's May. That favorite. We had a 90 degree day today, my friend. It was very warm today and it was freezing last week. So it's, uh, I'm glad to see that spring slash summer is upon us. Very cool. Nice to have you joining us today. Also, I want to bring on Miss Jennifer Judkins. Jen, how are you today? Great. Good to see you guys tonight. What is going on up in Massachusetts? Well, we went from turning on the heat to turning on the AC. I don't know what happened to spring, but uh, I'm glad that the sun is out this week. <laughs> Certainly. And uh, Jen, I'd, I'd like to ask you to introduce our guest tonight. Yeah, so I'm really excited to have Steve Fortuna on. He uh, is the inventor creator of Flippity, which is a tool that I've used and promoted with teachers for many years and only recently realized that we are neighbors in a way uh he lives in massachusetts as do i and actually not that far from me i think steve because you're you're in uh central mass as well or western mass central mass Oxbridge. Yeah. yeah yeah so uh so we're excited to have you on tonight thank you it's nice to be here so thank you guys all for coming on the show today. I, I want to kind of start off here because recently we've had a lot of conversations on this show about, you know, how do we choose the right equipment, the right applications for our teachers? I want to kind of start the conversation there and then we can mosey on the road down here. But continuing where we were, 
How do you suggest, Sam, we go about creating a, a, a blueprint or a plan or something when it comes to technology? Should it be free? Should it be premium? Should it be a half? Well, half? ultimately, it, sh it should be whatever the right tool is, right? And the right tool is going to both serve our pedagogical interests and help us meet our obligations to our students by way of their privacy. Sam? Sam? Yes, frozen. Right, Sam, Sam, uh, Sam, Sam knocked out just for a little bit. That's okay. Jen, why don't you pick up where it is? How do you suggest uh, school districts choose the right equipment there? So I think that as Sam was starting to say, you really want to first identify what is the right tool for the job and, and what are the needs of your teachers. I always like to really think about a very small list of tools for teachers that have that are kind of multifunction tools. So um, when it comes to identifying things to recommend for teachers, I try to keep to a short list and things that uh, can be used in a variety of different ways in the classroom because I find that teachers just get overloaded pretty quickly when we give them too many options. I think that um, that's that's also a cons uh, an important consideration when we're talking about paying for tools. It's not actually just for me as a tech director about the cost of the tools, but also you know, wanting to limit how much we're promoting to teachers so that we can get a lot of use of the things that we're spending money on. And so, um, so again, it, for me, it's not just about the cost, but uh, how many people are going to use it and, and not spreading ourselves so thin that we're throwing too many options at teachers at one time. Now, one of the things that has always popped up is the conversation of free versus premium. I don't think anybody would have a problem at the fact that Microsoft charges for their stuff. That's accepted. That's where we are. That's where we go. But when we look at a Chrome extension, we kind of accept that that has to be a free thing. What is there a boundary? Is there a dollar sign? Is there a bulk of the app? Um, where, where are you with all this, Jen, Rob? So I, I think that the idea that things have to be free, I, I think that comes from a couple of things. I think teachers have limited resources, and so they gravitate towards things that are free. What I try to tell our staff is that nothing is actually free. Um, somebody is investing time the, and resources in the development and maintenance of a tool, and if they're not, then it's it's not going to be something that will be reliable over time. And given that, I think that um, we also have to think about, you know, how is that how is that tool being uh, paid for? Is it is it getting revenue through ads, and is that something we are concerned about as a district that we want to limit exposure of ads and things like that? So, I think to just decide that something is good or bad, whether it's paid or free, is is not asking the right questions. Um, and I think that um, you know we have to think about well, how how important is this tool for us, and and does the does the cost really justify the ways in which we're using it for our staff? Um, and and Sam started to mention privacy, and I think that that's such an important thing too. That we're we're looking at tools and just looking at money and not thinking about the fact that if it's free, then there may be data being collected on our students. And these are things that we can't ignore anymore. I mean, I think for years we kind of just played ignorant on on these things and, and we can't we have to really investigate privacy policies on on the tools we're using that may be how they're being funded and, and we have to we have to know that and make decisions accordingly 
Yeah, our, in our district, any product that is being rolled out, they have to sign it an agreement saying that data isn't being shared. And if they don't sign it, then we can't use it as a district. And that that's new as of end of last year, beginning of this year. So it's definitely something that I think we've we have we played. Um, kept a blind eye, so to speak, to that, but now we can't. And I, the one thing that you kind of said that I've been expressing with teachers is the idea that less is more and what, how can you use it in multiple ways? So if there is something that can be used across different um, subject areas or across different you know, platforms, different things for the kids, then that might, you might get more, um, because you're, there's also human time that's being invested in learning about different tools and learning about different resources. So it has to be something that is going to really be beneficial. And I think ultimately we have to start asking questions about how does this app behave what is this app going to do to how my students think? Because there's more and more emerging information about persuasive technology and the impact of notifications. And even some of my favorite apps like Seesaw, I'm starting to look at a little side-eyed because of some of what ends up happening with commenting and responding to posts and this kind of stuff where you end up with a whole, like, virtual social element with students who we're really we're really trying to work hard on those face-to-face social skills so teaching a first grader like online friendliness is considerably harder because you really haven't worked through all of the person-to-person friendliness so in addition to these like you know what is the app what does the app do what is it going to cost us what is the privacy really looking at how they're Uh, kind of respecting the line of intrusivity. Like, I only need apps to do what I ask them to. I don't need them to be a new thinking system for my kids. Well, let's bring on our guest tonight. Uh, Steve, thank you again so much for joining us. Talk to us a little bit about uh, your project. You are a teacher, correct? That has a uh, fantastic application that's used by other teachers. Yep. Uh, So about five years ago, uh, I was teaching Spanish, and I really wanted to have an online flashcard uh, thing for my kids so that they could learn their vocabulary words. Uh, I was having a hard time uh, doing pencil and paper because it's time consuming. Um, I'm having to get all the index cards for the kids. But the biggest problem was uh, I found that they were actually writing them down wrong and then learning them wrong. And uh, I really didn't want that getting fixed in their brains like that. So I wanted to give them the exact words the right way and then wanted to do it online. So uh, I figured out a way to do that, and uh, I thought this is a great tool for me, but I should probably share this with other people as well. So started a, a domain, and uh, the rest is history. And I love that story. That is a very similar story to mine, you know, being a teacher and having a, a desire to help others. And next thing you know, I've got a microphone and headphones on. Uh, where can we pick up? Where can, where, where can we download your app? Uh, it's not an app. It's just a website at this point, and you would head to flippity.net. So flippity.net, and and right mm-hmm. now it is a free platform. Uh, right now it is half ad supported and half completely free, which sounds weird. Um, but at one point I decided I need to put some ads in this to basically to pay me from the time I'm investing in this and to to justify to my wife how late I'm staying up each night working on this. Um, and the way that I've kind of decided 
what, by the way, there's a whole bunch of different templates now. It started out as just flashcards, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff there now. Uh, the way that I've decided to what to put an add-on is how is it going to be used. If this is something that's designed for a teacher to have on the whiteboard in the front of the room, that's a really stupid place to put an ad, in my opinion. I'm, I'm not going to get any revenue off of that, but it's going to be a huge distraction for the teacher and the students. So if it's designed for them all to be working on together um, on a screen, on a big screen, then I, I don't put an ad on that. If it's something that the teacher is going to give to the students to go and work on at home, now there's the possibility of a revenue stream. So that's where I, that's the uh, templates that I'll put an ad on. And I noticed you, you, you kind of said the same thing that other app developers that I've talked to have said, you know, uh, we're putting our own money into this, or you're putting your own money into all of this stuff. Um, have you ever considered switching your model to a, a paid model? I haven't. Um, and probably the biggest reason for that is uh, I just don't have the time to actually develop the back end. I would need to have everyone sign up for accounts, keep track of who's paid, who hasn't all of those logins and passwords. Um, one of the, the unique things about Flippity is that it actually uses Google Sheets um, for its backend, so all of your data is stored in Google Sheets. So I'm really allowing Google to do the heavy lifting there with keeping track of accounts and what's published and what's not, and uh, I'm just kind of riding their coattails a little bit. No. And, I, and I have no plans to change that. And, and we say thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, and I think what's been great is that over the years, um, Steve, you've continued to add different platforms. And for our listeners that really don't know what we're talking about yet, um, you know, if you're driving in your car and listening to this, you know, Flippity is, is really neat in that it takes Google Sheets that are created with, as Steve says, a back end that that look pretty ugly because they're Google Sheets, but then with, with a few couple clicks after students fill in, say, a word and a definition or a question and an answer, turn into a variety of different things. They can turn into a crossword puzzle or a quiz show or a flashcard set. And so what I have loved about using this as a teacher is that um, I, I give my kids some exposure to Google Sheets. I can have a really finished beautiful product that kids can use as a study tool and kids can do this collaboratively so I can assign it to students you know I I think any of us who have been teaching for any amount of time have gone through the pain of making the the good old PowerPoint um, Jeopardy games which <laughs> are Jeopardy it's a class PowerPoint Jeopardy and our kids our kids love that stuff but for those of us that have spent hours upon hours developing those um, this was such a godsend to, to have a similar um, experience for kids where they develop the question in a Google Sheet, which is automatically a collaborative platform. It was just such a, it, it's so simple to use and, and teachers, no matter what their subject, are able to connect and see opportunities for their kids, which is just really great. It's well, funny you mentioned the, the Jeopardy quiz show because that was the second thing I did, and I did it for that exact reason. I was, <laughs> I was throwing out the PowerPoint template, and it was driving me crazy because you get the question and the answer in the wrong place, and it just ruined the whole uh, game. So. Yeah. <laughs> right, and then you try to play it off. You're like, oh, this is double Jeopardy. What's the question <laughs> that goes with that answer? <laughs> and the kids are like, no, we don't buy it. <laughs> um, the... 
power of a platform like this is it does a really good job of managing a lot of content. Like as you guys are talking about this, I'm thinking about what a great match it would have been for like my freshman Odyssey unit or, you know, studying to get ready for the AP Lang exam, things like this, where there really is that body of knowledge that you're trying to get the students to just interact with a lot and get a lot more comfortable with and anything where you're trying to work through vocabulary or trying to apply language. Um, Jen, I know you said you've used this for quite some time. What's the, what's your, you know, most often taught lesson out of this? So I would say the, the biggest thing, and, and it's even gotten better with the advent of Google Classroom, because this predates Google Classroom um, in terms of, you know, as, as Steve said, it's been around for about five years, and I've been using it for about that long. Um, but most often I would push out a template. So the templates uh, are available. It's just such an easy-to-use website, which is another reason I love it. We talked to Rob earlier. We were talking in agreement about having fewer tools. And this is one of the great things where you send a teacher to this website and there's sort of a, a range of different products that they can make out of the templates. The directions are right there. The, you know, a preview of what it would look like in the end is right there. So I think it makes sense to teachers. It's, it's just packaged really nicely. Uh, Steve's done a nice job of making it clear what, what each thing does and how it will look. So I will typically take a template and assign topics to kids. So if I'm doing a Jeopardy-style game or quiz show, um, I would select there are, there are columns that correspond to each of the topic areas, and I would I would edit that part, and that's really it. And then everything else I would kind of leave blank, and then then I would push that out. Um, what teachers forget sometimes is that Google Classroom allows us to push out where everyone in the class can edit the same copy. And this is a great example where that's a, the way you would want to do it. You want to push out a single document that uh, goes to all of the students in the class. And then I would assign groups of kids different topics. And I would say, okay, your table, you guys are going to focus on the topic that's showing up in column one. And I would go through the classroom and assign topics in that way. Um, as a middle yeah, so school a teacher, you, you, you do one for each class. Yeah, yeah. So, so you get the whole class kind of working together and creating a single um, quiz game. And then, if you are a secondary teacher, as I am, you, you would you would have one per class period. So, mm -hmm. at the end of a school day, I'd have five of them, and then I could right. and I could use it the next day to quiz the kids in different classes with their peers' quiz shows, and then also post them as a resource on Google Classroom for kids to study on their own. So just a lot of a lot of usefulness out of out of what is, you know, a student created resource. Yeah. That's the kind of versatile tool that I think we're all glad to find. Now, you know, the only thing that that as a teacher I wonder about is, you know, Steve here is a teacher who's built this tool mainly because, you know, it was useful to him and he wants it to be useful to other people. And he's figured out a business model that, you know, apparently allows his wife to feel okay about how much time he spends on it, which is impressive. I have to say, I have not found that business model for my teaching related hobby work. Um but it's the kind of thing that, you know, I would imagine, like, like Steve, can you imagine teaching without this at this point? Or are you just going to keep this site up as a tool because it's part of your teaching arsenal at this oh, point? Oh, I yeah. definitely need to keep it for myself. Um, it's 
yeah, I, I have little bits and pieces built into just about every class I teach now. Well, and I think that that's one of the great things about it is not only do you have it all nicely packaged, but also like having the demos for people who want to see what it looks like and the instructions, which I think so many times that piece is not as easily accessible. And yeah, so that's definitely something I had in mind in developing this. I would hate to go to a site and it not have it be clear what the end product is going to look like before I have to invest a bunch of time into getting it going and then see and then decide, oh, this isn't going to work for me. So I wanted to be able to show right up front, this is sort of what the end result is and here's how you get there. Right. And to be fair to, to any teacher looking at a spreadsheet template that you have, you have no idea what it's going to be without clicking that preview. And, right. and uh, teachers are blown away every time. Like, wow, like a spreadsheet did that. And it's, um, it's just a really cool thing for them to see that, that a list of student names and group numbers suddenly turned into a spinning wheel where I can put kids into different groups. Like just again, the variety of the tools, it's, it's clear that you're being informed as, you know, as to what you need as a teacher. And, and of course, that, that's something that a lot of educators immediately relate to when they see the site and the kinds of tools that are available to them. Yeah, and I get a lot of good feedback from teachers, too, usually with some really good suggestions and often things that are really easy to just tweak and then make them super happy, and then everyone benefits from that. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure you've had teachers who were not spreadsheet comfortable like i i'm a person who's always been really lucky to work with people who were spreadsheet awesome there was at least one or two in every team i've been on and i let them be spreadsheet awesome because i can spreadsheet when i need to but it's certainly not you know my wheelhouse absolutely usable by someone who like me may not really feel comfortable immediately you know like i can run my grades in them yeah but you know, I'm trying. Uh, I, I guess that actually one of the strengths is using a Google Sheet, but it could also be one of the weaknesses for people who have never used it before or aren't comfortable with it. I, I try to make it as clear as possible, which is why the template is already preloaded, so all you have to do is change what's in there. Uh, but I definitely get some uh, emails and tweets from, usually from frantic teachers who have about five minutes before class. <laughs> and it, it, it's just clear that, that uh, they're having a really hard time figuring out how to do this. And, and for the most part, I can walk people through it, but I'm, I'm sure there's been a couple that have just given up, unfortunately. Can you walk the- us through the process here? Um, like, yeah. So just kind of narrate us, you know, keeping in mind that some of our best listeners, especially the most attractive <laughs> ones, are currently driving in their cars. But um, if you could kind of narrate us through the process of setting up, you know, um, Jeopardy or flashcards or something like that. Just sure. So I think I'm sharing my screen here. Yes. Um, you start by going to flippity.net. Uh, you can see there's a number of, I couldn't come up with a better word, so I just call them templates. Uh, different features that I have. I started with flashcards. Quiz show was the second thing that I did. Um, and then there's just a variety of things that I needed for myself or other teachers ask, hey, could you do this? And I've been slowly building it up over time. Um, I'll start with the flashcards since that was the original and, and also why it's flippity. Um, but if you were to come in here and see the flashcards, you just click on demo. And uh, so I just have a set of flashcards, uh, just random trivia that pops up. So the first card here says Capital Malaysia. Click on it. You get to the back side of the card. It says Kuala Lumpur. Uh, and then you can just click to the next card. It's kind of a standard uh, these days. 
Um, and then you can just get the list if you want. There's a section that you could practice. So it's going to ask you all those questions. You have to type in the answers. Uh, I built a matching thing as well. So you can time yourself and see how quickly you can match all the answers to the questions. Um, so that's, that's the demo of it. Uh, you would want to go back then if, if that interests you. Uh, the next button you could click is instructions, read through the instructions. Um, but if you already got an inkling of what's going to happen, you would just click on the template. And what it's going to do is ask you immediately, would you like to copy this Google Sheet into your drive? And you would click make a copy. You do have to be on G Suite. You have to be a Google Apps user. Um, I haven't found any other way to do this, uh, like let's say Office 365. Uh, but then you've got your own copy here, and like I said, everything comes preloaded, so what you just saw is already in here, and then it's up to you to start making the changes that you want to make to side one of the flashcards, side two of the flashcards here in the spreadsheet. One of the toughest steps and where uh, people sometimes get hung up on is uh, you can't just go directly now once you've made your changes. You, you also have to go up to file, and you need to publish this to the web. Uh, Flippity can't access this information. It's, it's just stuck in your drive otherwise. So uh, that's probably the most common problem is people forgetting that step. Um, you're you're going to want to publish uh, the entire document. Click Publish. Click OK. And uh, from that point, you can close out of that. And I have another tab at the bottom of the spreadsheet that says get the link here. And now, if everything worked out well, you should be able to just click on that link and now you have your version of your flashcards. Now, I, I didn't actually make any changes to the spreadsheet here, so you're not going to see anything different, but that would walk you through the process there. And what's great, great is it, it displays as a web page. So it, right. if the teacher were to make a resource, let's say, and not the kids, you could, um, you could copy just the, it's a public link that you could then embed anywhere as a, you know, if you're creating resources for your kids, so. Or share on Google Classroom. I was going to say, does that, or does share that work on well Classroom. on Google Sites, Jen? So, um, I haven't tried to embed this in Google Sites, to be honest, Jeff. I would imagine that you could get the thumbnail, but I'd have to, I can test it while we're talking. I'm not sure. Um, Google Sites has been tweaking things slowly but surely. Um, I recently made this HTTPS, which was a uh, uh, yeah. uh, necessity for yeah. Google Sites. So I did that specifically for that. And I also have an embed tool, but I, I also need to play around with that a little bit. If I could demo one more thing. Yeah, please. Uh, at the bottom of the page, there's this share link. And uh, I do have uh, Google Classroom integrated right there. Oh, you get the link right there. Um, you could also email it right out there. There's a QR code, so you could like print that. If uh, your kids are using tablets or phones, you could even hang that on the wall in your classroom, have them walk in and hit the QR code. So I'm also trying to make it as easy as possible to get this to the students. And as you said, students don't necessarily need to know anything about the Google Sheets. If you just wanted to, for the flashcards, for example, give them a set of flashcards, they don't even need to know what's going on behind the scenes. So I want to also point out to our listeners who may not be seeing the screen is that what's, what's something that, you, that you've done, I guess, it seems like fairly recently, or maybe I've only recently noticed it, um, but that now that when you create uh, uh, many of the templates, they're kind of linked together. So in other words, if I create like a word and a definition style template, and I publish that as flashcards, Across the top of my screen, when I when I go to the you know the the website view of my flashcards, 
I can change the way in which those are presented to me. So I can see that as a matching game or as a, a, you know, a number of other templates. So, so I don't have to create those in addition. I can toggle between them. How, how long ago did you do that? I, cause I, I hadn't noticed it up until, I mean, I, I guess I noticed it within the last six months or something, but maybe it had been there for a while, but I was like, wow, that's yeah, cool. The, the matching game's been there for over a year. So. No, but the, the ability um, to, to flip between the different things, I didn't realize I was, oh, okay. I, I thought you had to create them separately. No, that's all built right into that same template. And if I could extend that even further um, on the more tab up there, um, now my computer's freezing. Um, I also built uh, any template that really needed sort of two columns of information, like for to generate a crossword or a word search. Um, I apologize, but my computer's freezing here. Um, oh, there we go. Uh, so you can send that same information directly to another flippity thing. Um, so if you set up your flashcards, you're already good to go to print out a crossword puzzle, to play hangman, to play the memory game to do a word search or even to print out your quiz. Uh, so you'd have a print quiz to hand out to the kids. And all of these, again, were things I just wanted to do for myself to save time. And now anyone can do them. It seems so easy to use, and it seems like a great resource. Thank you. Now, Sam, when we're looking at websites like this, the question is, how can we support each other in this like again we recently we spoke to our friends over at padlet they went from free to premium this turned into a little bit of a controversy i would say so many people out on twitter are saying padlet is no longer free we should never use them and i'm sitting Web, here going, let, me, let me let me just stop you there for what stop if i mean help me with this here because i'm what if we just ignore everybody who's outraged about anything on twitter who cares <laughs> Sam, it makes me upset that you said that. I'm glad it makes you upset. You should get on Twitter and tell them because it's a machine meant to monetize outrage. So we're just not going to participate in what they're really upset about. They may be really upset, but it is because change is hard. And ultimately, as a society, we've ended up somehow demanding free tools when tools aren't free. So well, then the people developing the tools are put in a situation where they have to try to figure out how to make it free and they try really hard and they don't succeed. So then they make it not free and then everybody's mad that it's not free. And then nine times out of 10, it goes away anyway. Well, is it but, easy but, to, I mean, okay. Like I'm in a position now where I have to go to my superintendent, my tech director, my whatever, and say, um, Hey, this free tool is now a hundred bucks. Can we write a PO, bother the BA, do all this great stuff that we have to do to purchase something just for a $100 app? Or do I say, all right, I'm going to never tell my teachers to use it again. How do you handle this if you're a tech coach or in a position of working with teachers on something? But Jeff, that, I think that that is one of the questions. If it's something that you really find a lot of value in, you kind of find a way. And if you don't, you find another way. You find a different tool that might not be um, for, that might not be one that you have to pay for that is free, and I think that these are the questions. You know, we, we constantly talk about things changing, and that go, and that's why it can't we can't just be focused on, you know, this great free app. If it is an app or a tool that is really worthwhile, 
you find a way to pay for it. And if it's not, you find another way that is free that can support it and do something very similar. And, you know, if it's not worth, you know, the $100 upgrade, you might ask yourself, how much time are my teachers and students spending in this experience that I don't even think is worth $100? Good questions, right? I mean, as far as all this stuff goes, I, I guess that is the price of business, right? Like you're setting this up and you know eventually you either have to raise it, keep it, lose it, whatever, right? And and, and there's other companies that are coming up here. Where do you see this yourself, um, Steve? I mean, obviously you're a teacher, so you like free apps, but as a business person, you like to keep the lights on. Um, what would you say? Let's, let's throw the question at you, Steve. What would you say if your favorite app, Flippity, all of a sudden said, hey, we're going to change this? Um, or let's say that you were a fan of Padlet and then suddenly, uh, wh where do you stand on all this as both a teacher and the app developer? It's hard to look at that from with both hats on, but um, I agree with what everyone was saying, I think. If the price does change, then you just need to reevaluate and say, is it worth the cost? If it is, we need to find the money. And if it's not, we need to find some sort of alternative. Um, as a developer, obviously, I've landed on ads just because I think that's the easiest way for me to monetize what I've done. And it's also the easiest way for the teachers. I know there's some misgivings about having ads up there and some concern about what are the kids going to see. But that also means you don't have a login, you're not having to set up an account with me, you're not having to keep track of, you know, I, I subscribe for a year, when do I have to re-up for this thing? I don't have to do any of that work, you don't have to do any of that work. So I, I think in that sense, maybe ads are kind of a necessary evil, but it's one of the easiest ways uh, to get something up and running and, uh, and to monetize it. So let's say that I was interested in creating my own web tool, or I had a student that was looking to create their own web tool, something similar to Flippity or so, you know, some kind of a Chrome extension website. How do I go about doing that? Or how do I go about working with a student such as that? Do I start to encourage them to learn coding? Do we start figuring out prices for web hosts? How, right. Like, Steve, you, you know have? something, Steve, because you made <laughs> this thing happen. Right. What's the thing, you know, <laughs> I, if I were trying to teach a kid to do this, that's kind of a weird question. Uh, like if I were trying to teach my high schoolers how to build a website, they could monetize. I'm not even sure of the legality of that. Like, I don't know how old you have to be to, uh, to sign up for Google AdSense. Um, and I also think you, you, if you're talking right at, off the bat about how are we going to monetize that, you're kind of getting it backwards. Like, could you make something that's really cool and that really works and that other people would like? And then let's see if we can get that done. And, and then maybe we can start talking about, is this something that you could generate revenue with and sustain? Because it's all about the idea. Right. And if you're starting, and, and if you're thinking you're going to be able to retire or pay the mortgage <laughs> or this, this is your ticket out, um, I, I've got bad news for you. <laughs> oh, actually, if you want, you know, the, from what I understand, the people who are making money in programming these days are programming outfits for the characters in Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they've probably, they're probably not wasting their time in the classroom either. <laughs> well, and, and you know, that that's the central thing, right? Like if there's money to be made in tech, it's not really ed tech still. So, you know, it's, it's challenging because there's a lot of really cool stuff tech can do, but the, with what, you know, the market demands, it's a difficult environment for developers. So we're grateful 
for hardworking guys like you, Steve, who get out there and come up with a really good tool and find a way to share it with others. So thanks. You're welcome. Steve, what's the future of, of, of your project here? I mean, are you, what, what, I'm not going to say when are you coming out with new features, but like, what, where are you going with everything? Uh, I'm tinkering around with a couple things. Probably the next thing that will come out will be a timeline. And I know there's other uh, timeline tools out there, but I, I always like to, you know, do it the way I want it. So um, it's actually really difficult to work with dates. I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with how uh, all of that is displayed, which is why that's... Uh, taking some time and I'm constantly tweaking little things here and they're usually based on uh, teacher feedback, but uh, timeline will probably be the next one. That's as I said before, I want to just keep doing this uh, as long as I'm teaching. Um, it's self-sustaining now. Uh, so there, there's really no reason for me not to leave this up here. Uh, Google's doing the heavy lifting uh, with the back end with the sheets. So that's not a whole lot of work for me to maintain. I'm, I'm always nervous uh, that Google's going to flip a switch and, <laughs> and uh, not allow this kind of integration at some point. But uh, I guess we'll have to cross that bridge when I get there. Well, we certainly want to know what you guys out there are thinking. Of course, if you have any questions, you can reach out to us on Twitter. You can find our, our Twitter hashtag or our Twitter account, Tech Ed Show, Tech Ed Show on Twitter. And of course, you can find us over here on TeacherCast and just you know leave us a voice message over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. And of course, subscribe to the show on Twitter iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you can. Um, we do have one question here. Uh, Sam, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Walker is over on Facebook asking us questions. He wants oh, no. to know if Flippity is available on the Linux platform. Well, you know, it just all depends if it runs through depreciated versions of Chromium, right? <laughs> Chromium? Okay. Well, that's, that's the Linux version of Chrome. I don't know exactly how. From what I understand, when Google's done with a version of Chrome, they crumple it up and they throw it in the trash can. And the Linux guys go over there and they grab it and they unfold it and they iron out all the things and they call it Chromium. I might have that wrong. I thought Chromium was the stuff that Aaron Brockovich was going after in the movies. It, it, it was. <laughs> Am I wrong? I think that's what no, it's, it's a, it's a Chromium carcinogen and it's a name of a Steve, Linux I'm browser. I'm sorry, this happens. It, it, the, the, the conversation frequently degrades this way. Do not that's be That's okay. Afraid. I'm enjoying it. That's okay. I'm just not realizing that here it is about 95 degrees in my house because of the weather outside. Good times. Anyway, guys, I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. We've had a, actually a pretty busy conversation. We are, of course, here live on the Tech Educator Podcast every single uh, Wednesday night here, uh, 8.30 Eastern on Facebook, on YouTube, on Periscope, on TeacherCast.tv. Um, Steve, one more time, where can we find Flippity, and how do we get a hold of you if we have any questions? Flippity.net, and I am on Twitter at, at Steve Fortna, F-O-R-T-N-A. Excellent. Rob, where can we find you online? You can find me at Twitter at Rob Pennington 9. Excellent. And Jennifer? I am online at teachingforward.net. Excellent. Now, Sam, I wanted to kind of end here. You've got an interesting blog post coming out this week over on My Paperless Classroom. Could you tell us a little bit about it? You bet. It's about supporting the adults you work with and their creativity and really talking about the conditions necessary for creativity and telling a few stories a little bit out of school. On a recent staff meeting I ran where my teachers all designed flashlights based on the needs of other teachers. Keyword nitpicker. 
Very, very <laughs> cool. Thank you guys for so much for being here. Thank you guys for listening. Of course, check us out over on techeducatorpodcast.com. You can subscribe to this and all of our shows over on teachercast.net. On behalf of everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classroom and continue sharing your passions with your students. 